from the Center for European Reform. This is the CER podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the CIA podcast. My name is Sofia Besch. I'm a research fellow here at the Center for European Reform. And today I'm joined by John Springford, the CIA's deputy director, and Sam Lowe, who's a research fellow here. So there has been a bit of a debate going on at the CR over the last few months on the topic of the customs union. And I think both John and Sam at this point have arrived at fairly similar conclusions, but I have learned a lot from listening to them argue and debate these points. And so what I wanted to do today is to just ask them to lay out the arguments lay out what they've been fighting about for the last few months so that you at home can try and understand what the debate is on the customs union. And we want to talk about both the economic rationale and the political considerations that go into the question whether the UK should negotiate a customs union with the EU. So, Sam, I know you've done this many, many times. I've heard you do this a lot of times. So this is going to be a very polished pitch. When we talk about the customs union, what are we talking about? And why would it be a good idea for the UK's economy? I'm slightly worried you've oversold my ability. In its essence, a customs union is when two or more countries, alongside having a commitment to reduce tariffs on the goods traded between them, usually to zero, not always, They also agree to levy the same import tariffs on all imports from countries not party to the customs union. So essentially you reduce tariffs barriers between each other and you erect the same tariffs on all other goods coming in. And the reason you do this is to remove the need for rules of origin checks on goods traded between those countries within a customs union. And rules of origin checks, or the need to prove origin, is something that happens when you are in a free trade agreement with another country and you are required to demonstrate that the product you are selling to the other country under the preferential terms of a trade agreement actually qualifies for that agreement and actually has is either wholly produced in country A or has a sufficient amount of value produced in country A. And it's to stop essentially goods being diverted via one country that say has lower tariffs on imports from China into another country that has higher under the terms of a free trade agreement. But being in a customs union means you don't need to worry about that because you're levying the same tariffs on the rest of the world as each other. So specifically for Brexit Britain, why is this a good idea? So it's a good idea, A, because rules of origin comes with a price tag. So essentially compliance is about a two to six percent tariff cost on your export. The second reason is that lots of companies actually, their products will not qualify for an EU-UK trade agreement because there is not sufficient local content produced. So to give an example, in most trade agreements, in order for a car to qualify for a trade agreement, 55% or over of the value of the car has to be produced in the country exporting it. The problem for the UK is only about 41% of the value of cars sold from the UK is actually created in the UK because we're part of pan-European supply chains. So one of the advantages of being in a customs union is that we could continue to sell out from the UK into the rest of the European market without having to worry about tariffs, without having to worry about qualifying for this agreement. If we were not in a customs union, if we just had a free trade agreement, in all likelihood, companies would have to relocate their supply chains in the long run to within the EU27. So there's an economic cost to Brexit. The government, in its recent modelling, puts leaving a customs union would lead to us being about 1.1% poorer than we would have been otherwise. And that's against the counter-argument that we'll get on into a little bit, that 
future free trade agreements, which we would then apparently be free to negotiate, would only benefit the UK by 0.7%. So just from an economic standpoint, there is no argument for leaving a customs union. But as with Brexit, there's no economic argument for Brexit. So as we get on to later, we're going to have to actually discuss the politics of this. <laughs> okay. See, that was great. Uh, I feel like we should try and make it harder for you the next time. Maybe I'll ask you to sing it or like put it in a haiku or something. Anyway, so that sounds fairly straightforward. And yet, Theresa May has set her government on a course that does not actually allow for a customs union. Why? I want to get into the argument against it. And firstly, John, you have made the point previously and one of your insight that a customs union really would not be all that is set out to be. Because it would not actually, for example, stop customs barrier from being imposed. Can you talk a bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, my, my sense, stepping back a little bit, my sense has always been that Brexit was quite binary. So on the one hand, you know, if you went down the Norwegian route and you said, look, we're going to stay in the single market, then you're going to have to accept freedom of movement. You're going to have to be a rule taker. So you may as well just be in, really, from a political standpoint. Um, and then... If we think about Turkey, which has got a partial customs union with the EU, then it doesn't really have an independent trade policy. It doesn't have free movement, but you know there are question marks about whether uh, the EU would want free movement with Turkey in the first place. But the fact that it doesn't have an independent trade policy, you know, in the Brexit context, it does kind of suggest that the politics is going to drive you out of that towards being able to negotiate free trade agreements with the rest of the world, as this is the only real narrative which the Brexiters made about what the economic benefits of the project would be. So that's where I've just always come from, that it's that it's going to be very difficult to find a kind of halfway house of integration with the EU. I have to admit that the customs union has had a lot more political appeal than I originally thought. And I don't disagree with any of Sam's economic arguments. I think they're absolutely right. I think that, you know, there's going to be some severe disruption, particularly to the UK's car industry. And there's a reason why Switzerland and Norway which are fairly well integrated with the EU in terms of its rules, why they don't have car industries. It's, you know, because they're outside the customs union and so therefore there are some costs in terms of rules of origin and so forth. But there are some reasons why customs union has more appeal than I thought back when I first started writing about this. Politically, it's a starting point for pro-Europeans. Clearly, it's a, it's a relationship which, over time, they would hope to be able to tack on more agreements to so that you end up with something which is actually quite a lot softer than just a bog-standard customs union. And it's a form of soft Brexit which at least feels compatible with the referendum mandate. I mean, if you look at the polling about immigration in the run-up to the referendum, a lot of people were unhappy about free movement, and so it's inevitable that politicians will respond to that if you lose the referendum. But customs union is just about tariffs. It's not about the four freedoms of the single market, and so therefore you can have no free movement in a customs union. And then the fourth really big reason is the Irish border. You know, the Irish border has risen in importance. It's something that we all should have been thinking a lot more about before the referendum. Um, but a customs union would at least help with that. So something I would I would add to that is because there's quite a lot of confusion, I think, in the UK debate as to what a customs union does at the border in, in regards to the reduction of checks and inspections. And the answer is that in and of itself, it does nothing. Actually, rules of origin is a behind-the-border issue. However... If you do want to get to a point where you do not have checks on a border, so 
Of course, you also have to deal with the regulatory issues, especially on products of animal origin. You also have to deal with VAT. That's a big broader issue if you're outside of the EU's VAT area. But being in a customs union essentially is a necessary reduction in risk insofar as you no longer have to worry that products will be funneled into your country, diverted from somewhere else, because they're trying to take advantage of some sort of arbitrage so that it's slightly lower tariffs in one regime than another. So when you think that borders are always inherently political, to get to a point where you no longer have any checks on that, you have to have a large degree of trust that nothing's going to get into your territory that causes any problems for businesses or on a risk basis. And in that sense, a customs union becomes a necessary component of that. It is, as John was saying, it's a staging post towards actually a relationship that can maybe deal with issues at the border. Okay, so I'm really struggling to get either of you to make the argument against the customs union, which we were trying to do in this part of the podcast. So, John, do you want to get... Well, I, I mean, you know, I think the the mindset that I had in the piece was, okay, where are we politically? And I was just thinking, okay, what's what's likely politically and what do you need to, need to do really to satisfy the mandate if you're a conservative politician, mandate of the referendum? And the arguments against it are pretty, are pretty obvious and they're mostly about sovereignty. You don't have power over your own trade policy. You can't go out and sign free trade agreements with the rest of the world that deal with tariffs because they're set by the customs union as a whole. You don't have any power within the EU to actually press for particular free trade agreements because you're not an EU member. So you lose a lot of, a lot of sovereignty there. And the, the really big issue is that it doesn't even actually resolve a lot of the at-the-border issues. It, it deals with tariffs, but if we're talking about agricultural produce and fish and so forth then there has to be inspections to ensure that they meet with the animal welfare standards and the you know public health requirements of the single market before they can then be sold in the single market which means that they have to be inspected at the border and so you know it's definitely softer and economically better than global britain no customs union but it doesn't really get you very far and so politically my sense was always well you know ultimately we're going to be driven out of this. Okay. So Sam, I want you to talk a bit more about this idea of an independent trade policy. Mm -hmm. You've written an insight where you talk about the UK getting turkeyed, which is a charming expression. Could you explain the deal that Turkey has and explain the argument that the UK would lose control over its trade deals in the customs union? This is politically the argument, right? So, so the idea that Global Britain requires we have full control of our trade policy. And even as is obvious, none of these trade deals will compensate for Brexit. It has political significance in that they become a sort of trophy you can put on your mantelpiece to demonstrate that Brexit on a whole was worth it, that we've gained something new. So this is how I came into the question. I sort of looked at it saying, would a customs union prevent the UK from signing new trade agreements? And the answer is no. But Would the customs union constrain the UK's ability to sign new trade agreements? Yes, it would put on some constraints. And this is what we see with Turkey. So Turkey does actually run its own independent trade policy. It still has to negotiate its own agreements with other countries. The issue it has is that because it's bound to the EU's customs union via its own agreement with the EU, it's not able to either unilaterally or bilaterally lower um, its, own, its own tariffs. The argument that comes up with Turkey is that because Turkey is bound to apply the EU's common external tariff 
it means that when the EU reduces its own tariffs, so say in a trade agreement with someone else, so say this, this became a big problem when the EU was negotiating with the US, Turkey was very concerned. So they were worried that the EU would sign an agreement with the US. That would mean that Turkey's own external tariffs on goods Im imported from the US would have to be lowered as well, but Turkey might not get anything mm -hmm. in return. And, and that's why the term getting turkeyed mm -hmm. come from. However... It's still able to negotiate agreements that cover investment, that cover services, that cover digital, data, IP, intellectual property. So it does still have quite a large area of its economy that it's still able to negotiate on. So my question when, when looking at the UK was, so if we just take as a fact that these trade agreements aren't worth anything other than politically, they're not worth anything economically, can the UK still sign agreements that can get, make, ensure the government jubilant front pages? And the answer, I think, is yes. And, you know, it can play around on services. Maybe it can do something that the EU couldn't because it was more flexible in, in, in the margins. So, so, yes, there are some constraints, but I don't think, you know, they should, they, they should prevent the UK from doing something that's inherently in its economic interest. Okay, I was going to ask the both of you whether you think that um, the UK should get to, into a customs union seeing all the arguments against it. And I feel like after the arguments that you've laid out, it won't be a big surprise. You both think that the UK should still try to arrange a UK-EU customs union deal. Yes, you're both nodding, which listeners can hear. But yes, both are nodding. Let's talk a bit more about how that could happen. And Sam, you think that the UK might actually be able to get a better deal than Turkey has with the EU. How? Well, so, so specifically in relation to future EU agreements with third countries and ensuring that the UK isn't sort of disadvantaged or there's not an asymmetrical relationship. And I think the one thing to put out front is that the UK will never be able to have a veto on EU trade policy from outside of the European Union. So we just need to write that off. Some people have sort of suggested or implied that that might be the case. However, could we have a more effective consultation mechanism with the EU prior to them entering a negotiation? I think yes, my discussions with people at the Commission suggest so so that before the EU goes into a negotiation, the UK can have its say. And I think that there could even be discussions about the UK and EU agreeing to negotiate in parallel. And you could even, in my view, see the UK and EU being on the same side of the table in certain areas of the discussion with a future trade partner that sort of affect both equally. And I think we could get to that. It's not perfect, but is there, is there still a chance that there's a situation where, which happens with Turkey sometimes, where the EU negotiates an agreement with, say, Mexico, and then Mexico refuses to negotiate a parallel agreement with Turkey? Is there still a small chance that could happen? Yes. But without drifting into sort of the realms of British exceptionalism, the UK is a different beast from Turkey. And other countries, I think, would be far more wary about treating the UK in that way. I think it's workable. We could lean on the EU's negotiating power when it comes to opening up new markets. It could be in our interest to do so. And we can work with them. And then we'll still have the freedom to negotiate on our own as part of these agreements the areas that aren't covered by the customs union or a customs union. So, you know, so services, data, IP, procurement. We'll still have to do that ourselves. But maybe we want to do that ourselves. You know, we've always said that we're held back by the EU, which is a strange thing to say at the moment when the EU is clearly the sort of dominant force for trade liberalisation in the world currently. But, but there we go. But that's another discussion. That's another um, discussion, yes. So... We should. Will we, though, John? Do you think that the UK will end up in a customs union with the European Union? Well, I mean, I think the first thing to say is I don't know, and I don't think anybody does know. Um, it's very delicate and finely balanced. If I, was, if, I, if I were forced to pick an outcome for what it's worth, 
I think that in five or six years' time, we will still be in a customs union with the EU, yes. Why? Because the transition is too short to set up the infrastructure required. That's one point. The second point is that the Irish border makes um, the customs union particularly tricky. And I think that the government's suggestions for how they might manage the Irish border aren't realistic. And so my suspicion is that in order to satisfy the DUP's demand that there is no formal border set up on the Irish Sea, that the UK will end up in a customs union with the Prime Minister perhaps saying that we will stay in until the technology improves to the extent that we can leave. And the third reason is that the referendum mandate will fade over time, that younger people in Britain tend to be more pro-EU. There's some evidence that the referendum has woken them up and has encouraged them to take more uh, part in the political process. We also have to credit Jeremy Corbyn for that too. And so if they start to exert themselves more on politics over time, which seems likely, then we may well see the politics of the relationship between the UK and the EU change. Great. I think we can stop here. Mm -hmm. Thank you both for coming on and uh, talking us through the debate over the customs union. One final request to listeners before we end this podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it would be fantastic if you could give us a rating and maybe even a review. That's a really good way to support the podcast and help other people find us. Thanks for listening to the CEA podcast and thanks to Beth Oppenheim, our editor. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and follow us on Twitter, CEA underscore EU.